Well, hello everyone. Welcome to our online sermon at St Mark's this week. My name's Andrew Bowles and I'm the Senior Minister at St Mark's. Uh, you may know that at the moment at St Mark's we're having what we call a midwinter Sabbath, which is just a time in this winter period when we have a lower energy period at our church. We're giving some of our volunteers a rest as a lot of people are going away for holidays or are tired or sick or just need a bit of a break before we get gear up for the rest of the year. One of the things we're pausing is our live streaming for this month. So I'm going to be recording my sermons and uploading them each week so you can follow along if you'd like to. I'm starting today a four-week series on the topic of rest in the Bible. I've just come back from a period of long service leave myself and I've been thinking about what rest means for me and for other people in my life. And I think this series, which I've done before here at St Mark's, um, is still relevant and is perhaps more relevant now than it has ever been. So I'm looking forward to spending some time on that with you now. I'm going to read to you uh, today uh, our reading from the Bible, which is from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27 to chapter 2, verse 2. So let's listen. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I'd like to talk about rest. Now rest I think is something that a lot of people I know have trouble with and I'm definitely there with them. Uh, the stereotype of a modern person is someone who uh, is chronically lacking in rest and if you ask people how you're going the first answer most people give is I'm busy. We're people who don't sleep enough, we often don't have enough downtime and we're being driven and stressed by life. Uh, a study back in 2010 found that at least um, one in 10 Australian adults don't get more than five and a half hours of sleep a night, which is, it's enough to keep you alive, but uh, it's not enough probably to enjoy the life that you have. And it's probably a lot worse now than it was back then. Now, there are many reasons for this, and we can all think of them, but of course, including the reason that most of us now carry around in our pocket all, at all times a sort of permanent distraction device, and we're always switched on and find it difficult to disengage. And many people are working very long hours as well, even if they hate doing so, and they know it's damaging their lives because they need to do that in order to survive. Um, many studies have shown though that working more than 50 hours or even 40 hours a week can be quite detrimental to people's mental and physical health. And of course, it's quite normal for people to do that at the moment. On the other hand, of course, there are people who have the opposite issue to deal with. There is perhaps too much rest or not enough to do, enough work to keep them occupied. Now, unemployment is quite low in Australia at the moment for various reasons, but underemployment is a chronic problem, particularly for young people. And I think that if you poked into a lot of the painful areas of our lives, you'd probably find at some level that they are to do with the issue of whether or not we're able 
to get enough rest or the rest that we have is the rest that we need. And so there are many businesses who've sprung up who are designed to help people rest well or to find relief from stress and weariness. Uh, I think though that rest has a spiritual component as well. It's additional to all these issues and any techniques or products that we might use to help us in the area of rest. And one of the key ideas as Christian people, I think as we evaluate our lives before God, is how we find balance and meaning in the work, in the life of work and rest that we have. We're heading, of course, into the busy second half of the year now when things just keep on happening. And they keep rolling on and on until coming to a brief rest, perhaps on Boxing Day. And so this is an important topic for us to think about at this time of the year, perhaps. Now, I want to read to you just to get us a feeling here from Psalm 55. It has a verse in it, which is verse 6, and I think it expresses what a lot of us feel about this topic. Psalm 55, verse 6 says that, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. I think many people feel that cry and would say that today. So what does rest mean for Christians? There are some helpful things I think we can learn about it from the Bible. In the next few weeks, I'm not really going to try to present a set of tips for you or things about how you can get better rest or how you can have a more restful life. There are lots of books and courses that are available with those sort of information and advice. What I hope, though, is that we can learn more about what rest means in the context of Scripture, what it means in the life of a child of God or a follower of Jesus. Because rest is a very significant theme in the Bible, and it tells us a lot, I think, about our identity and the kind of life that God has made us to live with him. And before we make any practical changes in our lives, it's good to reframe the story that we tell ourselves about our lives and where we're headed and about rest. And today we start by thinking about what rest means for God and what it means for us to be human. And so we turn to the creation story, as I've read in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Now, of course, you know, this is a very difficult story to understand in many ways, and there are lots of opinions about what it means. But there are, our scholars have found, similarities with how this story is presented to how, in that time, people would write about a great building project in their society, like the building of a great palace for a king to live in, or a temple that was being built for a god. And so each part of the palace would be described as it was built with all its rooms and its decorations and then all the household and servants who would fill that room and the king would eventually come to live in great ceremony in that place. And this is actually what the creation story is like. In all these various days that we read about, God is building a place to live. And not just a building, of course, but an entire universe. And when it's finished, it says, and his servants, his children, human beings have been installed there. He comes to live in it, to rest on it. So chapter two says, as we heard, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so we hear here that God rests. Now, what is this telling us about God? Is it saying that God works hard and then gets tired? Does he need to rest because making the world is such a, hard, a lot of labor, it's hard to do? Well, no, that would be to get carried away with the picture. If God is truly God, God cannot get tired. What it's, when it says that God rests, I think it means that it is his presence resting on a place because he is there. 
God in this story, after creation, is happy just resting in the world, being in the world with his people. So God rests and God works. God is active and God is a creator, but God also just is. God is God and enjoys existence to rest in the presence of his people. And in fact, in some sense, God actually is rest and God is work in their ultimate essence. And God is both of those things at the same time. And I think that's what it means for God to be God. There is no conflict in God between rest and work. There is no conflict in God between rest and work. Jesus knew this, of course, and so he used this idea to argue with the religious leaders of the day about their idea of the Sabbath of the day or the day of rest. And they believed that the rule was that on the Sabbath day, people were to do nothing at all for any reason because God rested on the seventh day. And this was commanded in the fourth of the Ten Commandments. We'll look more at the idea of Sabbath in a couple of weeks' time in our series. And, but so the religious leaders of Jesus' day were very angry with him because he would work on the Sabbath and he was healing people and doing all sorts of things. But in his defense, he said, we can read, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus, of course, knew God very well. But even though Jesus knew very well that God has rested on the seventh day and was still resting after this work of creation, he said, my father is always at work even to this very day. God has also not stopped working, acting, creating, even though he rests in his creation. And so Jesus says, I'm like my father. I rest and I work at the same time. So I'm not breaking the Sabbath by doing that. Now, all that's a bit complicated. But I think it actually is important for us because of what Genesis also says in verse 127. It says, chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we are, in some way, like God. We are a reflection of God's image and character in the world. And one thing this means is that these two things, work and rest, are part of that image. We work like God and we rest as God does too. But the difference is because we are not God, we can't do both at the same time. We only do one thing or another. And so there is a balance for us with that. When we work, we are like God in that we create things, we express ourselves, we show who we are. And when we rest, we're also being like God. We are being like God in that we just exist. We are who we are without needing to do anything, even our work. When we're doing nothing, when we're just being, we're just resting, we are still ourselves as God is. In fact, perhaps we are more ourselves doing that. So rest allows us to be who we are, not just what we do. And I think this is the ideal picture of life for human beings in the world, according to the Bible. We rest, we work, and those two things flow in and out of each other as God rests and works in us. What we see next, though, in the story of Genesis, if you were to read on from our reading, though, is the breaking of that balance. As we experience disconnection from a life and the rest of God, and this is at times called the fall. And we choose another way of life that's not connected to God's resting and working presence. And the effect of that choice is described in Genesis as a disconnection between rest and work for human beings. And to a great extent, the loss of our capacity to rest. Work becomes everything. Work consumes our lives. In Genesis 3, 
17 to 19. God says to Adam and Eve after they have rejected him, Cursed is the ground because of you, though through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So one of the curses of this human fall is a fall away from God is to lose the capacity to rest. And as we saw, it is in resting, it is in just being present that we show deeply that we are made in the image of God because that is what God does. And so to fall of that, fall away from that means to be caught up in, entirely in just doing, in working, like a robot or a domesticated animal without rest through toil and labour until the end of our life. So he's, God would say, we behave as animated dust. And one day just stops moving. And the problem in that is that we lose our sense of ourself and who we are as creatures made in the image of God. And I think it seems that true rest then becomes unattainable and meaningful life-giving work becomes elusive. Instead of creative work, we labor in order to live. And the measure of our lives and their success becomes our productivity what we make, what we do, which is a concept that's much discussed, of course, in our politics and our economy is built on productivity. We don't hear much about restivity or the opposite as a measure of growth and prosperity, of course. And under that set of conditions in that world, the beautiful creation of God that Genesis talks about, it appears to us as an unfriendly place, a place that resists our life, that makes us work hard every day just to get by becomes our enemy. And I would suggest that the ultimate expression we see of this is in the modern uh, life of industrialization that we have, where we have used our intellects to actively dominate the world in which we live and make it give up its energy and resources to us so that it will hopefully provide us with the comfort and the rest that we crave. And of course, we know that this goal is not being realized in any meaningful way in the modern world. No matter how much comfort we have, how much we take from creation, we don't have rest along with that. In fact, we're often more tired and enslaved to work than we were before in order to be able to pay for all those things we want to use to give us rest and recreation. And think about how hard it is even these days in Australia just to afford a place where you can rest your head. And so the Bible starts with a description of the balance of human life being broken. We're caught in a predicament where we've lost the rest of God. We've lost the life-giving presence of God who rests in the world that he has made. Instead, we are sent out from this Garden of Eden into the world to work hard, alienated from our God, from ourselves and from each other. And this is why the problem of rest, as I described it in the beginning, it's deeper than just techniques or life hacks from getting better balance in life. The, re the techniques of rest that we use, however good they are, they take place under an alienated form of existence, and we are, they are constantly under threat from this curse of work that we live under. You know, how often have you returned from holiday or from a retreat, only to be tired again after only a few days? So this is a deep spiritual problem that we face. However, in the Bible, we are also assured that despite all that, God's rest has not left creation. He has not gone away. He is still present and resting with us. And the Bible speaks further 
about the path back towards that rest and what God does for us on that journey back to our rest in him. As we heard, Jesus reminded people that God, his Father, is still working, and he always has been, to bring about that experience of rest for us and for the world around us. And part of our journey as Christians is to continually seek God's rest in a fresh way. And that will be our topic for the next couple of weeks before we think about our destination of true rest that God has waiting for us. So today, if you're experiencing the problem of rest, and I know I am, along with everyone else that I know, there is good news for us and positive hope in Jesus that this problem will be overcome. It is at God's heart. And there are many ways I think that we can start to get tastes of that rest now. And that's why spending time in silence and presence with God and quiet with him is one of the key disciplines of the Christian life. It may not be rest itself, but to do it is a sign that we are seeking God's rest and we know that it can be found. So as we finish our reflection today, I invite you to join me by just spending one minute resting in silence together. So let's give this day to God. Let's give him this hour or this minute in rest and peace in the presence of God our Father. So I want to pray. I'm going to pray and then let me spend some time in one minute in rest with you together before we move on. Let me pray. Father God, Lord of our rest and our work, bring your eternal rest into our restless hearts today and fill our lives with the peace that passes all understanding. Through the power of Jesus Christ and your Holy Spirit at work in us, in the deepest parts of our hearts and minds. Amen.